What's up, Jeepers? This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by ExtremeTerrain.com, your Jeep Wrangler authority for all things YJ, TJ, JK, and JL related. Extreme Terrain is dedicated to providing accurate information and top-notch customer service for the hottest Jeep parts around. Visit ExtremeTerrain.com today for guaranteed delivery of by December 24th, available on most items ordered by December 21st. For all that and more details, visit www.extremeterrain.com. Episode 311, December 14th, 2017. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4. 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back, strap in, and Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com and the Amazon Echo devices. Are you listening to the show on an Amazon Echo? If you are, we have a special Jeep Wave just for you. And be sure you stay tuned in for later for how you can get exclusive Amazon Echo Jeep Talk Show content streamed right to your device. For now, though, I bet you're looking for the best way to make a difference this holiday season. So just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. A small fraction from anything you purchase for that special someone this year, using that link will go towards the Jeep Talk Show. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we do here, well, then please consider giving back by using our link when shopping online. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. And we thank you in advance. Well, here's proof that Jeeps are nearly indestructible. Here's the scene. You're in Iowa. You're driving down Interstate 380 at typical freeway speeds on a mid-October morning around 7 a.m. It's not super dark, and you spot an erratic driver. You give him a little distance as a precautionary measure, and then watch the man try to navigate from the far left lane to the exit to I-80 that he just missed. <laughs> you see the Jeep veer across the freeway, lose control of the Jeep, flip the Jeep, and watch in utter amazement as the Jeep lands back on its wheels. Now, as if this isn't enough of an expert from a Hollywood blockbuster, you witness the Jeep start back up and drive away on its intended last-minute course correction down I-80. Now, apparently, this is the chain of events that led to a North Liberty man to call police who later caught up to the unbelievably still-driving Jeep and its intoxicated driver. Deputies caught up to the Jeep on Interstate 80 near the Dodge Street exit in Iowa City. Authorities said the Wrangler had a crushed front passenger side A-pillar, a broken passenger side mirror, and, quote, obvious signs of damage from a vehicle that just suffered a rollover. Authorities pulled the driver, 28-year-old Joseph T. Farmer III, and detected signs of intoxication. Farmer was evaluated by paramedics at the scene and had minor injuries. Deputies said Farmer showed signs of being impaired by alcohol and marijuana during a field sobriety test. <laughs> Farmer now faces one count of operating under the influence, a serious misdemeanor in Iowa. Well, this is definitely not what we meant by let's go out for a drink. Todd Emery of Paola, Kansas, was looking forward to celebrating his 55th birthday this last Monday. Instead, he's left picking up the pieces of his business after an out-of-control Jeep careened through a fence and smashed into his liquor store on South Silver Street on Monday morning. Emery said that he was inside the store, the third base liquor, getting ready to open shortly before 9 a.m. Monday morning when he heard what sounded like an explosion inside the walk-in cooler. His initial thought was that something had fallen through the roof into the cooler. 
After walking outside, though, he quickly realized that it was not an exploding keg or a giant frozen blue turd from a passing jet plane, <laughs> but the source of the loud boom was none other than a Jeep Wrangler. The Jeep had smashed through a fence, nearly missing Emery's parked vehicle and plowed into the liquor store. The impact destroyed a full wall of wine and high-dollar liquor, Emery said, uh, the, the owner had said. Lieutenant Eric Jenkins of the Paola Police Department said dispatch received the call at 8.52 a.m. and officers were quickly on the scene. A preliminary investigation revealed that 38-year-old William Columbia of Osawatomi was driving a 2005 Jeep Wrangler south on Silver Street shortly before 9 a.m. when a possible health condition caused him to lose control of the vehicle, which smashed through a fence and a concrete pillar before becoming embedded inside the liquor store. Columbia suffered only superficial cuts in the, in the accident, and thankfully there were no other occupants in the vehicle. The store owner said that when he approached the Jeep, the bleeding driver crawled out of the vehicle and asked if anyone was hurt inside the store. Emery assured him that no one was injured and then checked on the driver's condition. Emery said the driver told him that he blacked out while driving down Silver Street and ended up inside the liquor store. Emery said it's a little too early to know the exact amount of damage, but he estimates that it will take at least a month to get the business repaired and back ready to open. He says, I will lose all of the holiday business. It's a sad turn of events, really, for both parties involved. And our thoughts go out to both of you. Well, hey, big thanks to all you guys who continue to help us out each and every week by submitting stories for This Week in Jeep. If you have a response to any one of our stories or you found something you think we should be reporting on, well, send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. <laughs> I just knew you were going to say that he crawled out from his Jeep and said, is my Jeep okay? <laughs> <laughs> Did I get him? <laughs> <laughs> there was a spider. No, oh, I, you know, that's in fact, horrible. when I when I read that when I read that sentence in this report, I I, uh, I immediately thought to myself, you know, that is a sign of a true jeeper. He was more concerned about other people's safety, the the, the well being of other people, more than he was himself or even his own property. So that goes to, goes to show, you know, some of the some of the jeep drivers out there, really good people. This guy. One of them sounds like he had an unfortunate medical episode that uh, led to an unfortunate string of events. But uh, nonetheless, it sounds like his heart was in the right place. Yeah, I'm glad nobody was injured. And uh, I do hope the Jeep's OK. Uh, it does look like he had some modifications on there. And uh, yeah. and you guys can't see it uh, here on the uh, the audio only podcast. But uh, if you check out our YouTube uh, channel, youtube.com slash Jeep Talk Show, you can see uh, the image that we uh, used for this week in Jeep. And you can see that the guy bent over a metal concrete filled pole before yeah. ramming into the building so is it the, one of these like four and a half foot five yes. foot tall concrete pillars that are meant to prevent you from yeah, you know yeah. doing exactly what you know happened here and he just straight folded one of those things right over yeah uh, so he must have been must have been you know moving at a, a good clip of speed and this is a concrete wall too, a concrete brick wall that looks like he plowed right through so i mean did there was a lot of momentum behind this and really glad to hear that, you know, the, the injuries were superficial, just some cuts and bruises and whatnot. It sounds like things could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Well, mom always told me to make a good impression. And this guy certainly well, did. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old joke. I love it. Hey, uh, so I just want to throw this in here in case you hear a, a disembodied voice, another disembodied voice, uh, show up, uh, Nate, who's going to be, uh, uh, in our interview uh, later in the episode is uh, joining us tonight. Uh, since Tammy's not with us tonight, uh, I thought it'd be fun to have Nate in here just to uh, do color commentary and, uh, well, basically just be a cheap imitation of uh, of Tammy. Well, we yeah, got a blonde wig on him, so. 
<laughs> cheap as silver. <laughs> it, does have, it does have purple seats, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think Josh was saying you, you're going to wear a wig for us tonight. Um, I don't own any wigs. Sorry. <laughs> check your, uh, check your garage. not what I signed up for. <laughs> check my garage. Check your garage. <laughs> I, there's, there's an old mop down there. I could probably pull that there out. There we go. <laughs> hey, guys, you're... next. I'm sorry. Next go week, ahead. We've, next week, we've got Taylor Westcott from Wounded Warrior Project that's going to join the show and, and chime in on some stuff. Can't wait for that interview, guys, so make sure you are subscribed. I've been wanting to get Wounded Warrior on for a long time and, yeah, and so happy yet. that we're going to be able to, to get them on and talk about that uh, wonderful thing that they're doing for our, yeah, such, our soldiers. Such a good cause. Yeah, it really is. Hey, you can get the uh, you can help get the word out about the Jeep Talk Show. You're on Facebook, right? I bet you're a member of several Jeep pages, aren't you? Uh, we're not we're not taking a survey here, so it's okay. Just listen. All you have to do is post about the Jeep Talk Show on one of those pages, preferably all of them. Uh, you know, you might want to ask permission first, uh, but post something up directing them to our website www.jeeptalkshow.com, or tell them how to install the Jeep Talk Show app on their phone. So we have a, uh, you know, I didn't have any idea that this was going to be a 27-part series uh, having to do with airing up your tire and airing it down. But the, the wealth of knowledge that Steve 4.3LXJ has is so vast <laughs> that we're going to be doing uh, uh, tonight. We're going to have uh, Jeep tip number five, airing up your tires. So pay attention, people. Get your pencils out. This is great information. Hi, this is Steve 4.3 LXJ with another Jeep tip. And today we'd like to uh, continue our series on airing up or airing down, whichever you prefer. <laughs> but so far we've uh, found all the ways to take air out of our tires, measure tires, air pressure, and we have started to put air back into our tires now. And we discussed small electric compressors. And some of you might be wondering, is there a way to... Uh, Get some serious air here and, and air tires up quickly. And yes, there are. We've just sort of been uh, starting small and getting bigger as we go. And to set a benchmark for the discussions we're going to have in the future here, we're going to say that from now on, we're going to discuss systems that give us at least five cubic feet of air at 90 PSI, and that's a pretty good shop compressor. That's uh, a compressor that'll run you about uh, $450 on up in uh, any tool store. And so that kind of compressor on a Jeep will air your tires up, oh, I don't know, a minute to a minute and a half per tire, and it'd be like airing your tires up in a shop uh, with a compressor that's on a large tank. So the first uh, compressor that I'd like to address is, it's not a cheap um, way to go, but if you're going to buy a winch anyway, and if you're going to buy a Warren, and I like Warren winches, they're good winches, um, the Warren power plant is a good way to go. And this compressor that is on the Warren power plant is rated at five, P or five uh, cubic feet per minute at 90 PSI, which is right at our benchmark. And that's not a bad way to go. It's got a, about a half gallon uh, air tank on it, so it'll cycle on and off, and it's got everything you need for a compressor to operate, uh, just like a, buying a uh, air compressor at the store for your shop would work. And 
all you have to do is mount the thing, put the uh, electricity to it from the battery, and plug into it, and turn it on, and away you go. And they run about uh, $1,750 for a 9.5, that's a 9,500-pound winch, and for an extra 100 bucks, you can go up to a 12,000-pound winch with them. And they're good. Uh, there's, it's probably the easiest way to get decent air on your Jeep. And if you're in the market for a winch, and I know some of you are going to be, this is probably the easiest thing for you to do is just to take care of it all in one swell foop. Okay, so going on from there, the next thing that I want to discuss is using an existing air conditioning uh, system compressor that is probably on most of your vehicles. Now, the thing about this is, if you decide to use this compressor, you're not going to have air conditioning anymore. So if air conditioning is important to you, uh, this is not for you. But there are many of you out there that have Jeeps that you take the tops off in the summertime, and air conditioning in those kinds of conditions is fairly irrelevant because uh, you've got the good old 480 type air conditioning, four windows down at 80 miles an hour. So that's the next system we want to uh, look at. And these compressors are actually pretty impressive. They'll pump up to 400 PSI and they will produce about 11 cubic feet per second, or I mean per minute. And uh, they uh, are dependent on engine RPM to achieve that but they will, will do it. And so we're going to take a look at this. Now, you've got to run oil in the crankcase for these things, and we're going to talk about that in the next episode. But between now and then, I'm going to have a shameless plug for my own video on YouTube called Onboard Air the Right Way. And if you go there and, and look at this system, you can see it in action. I've got all the goodies on there. You don't have to have everything that I have, but there are certain minimum components. So if you do a little homework and take a look at that video, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about in the uh, subsequent uh, podcast that we're going to have on using an AC compressor. So until then, we'll see you on the trail. Wow, that's really cool. You know, uh, I was looking up the uh, Via Air uh, 450C air compressor that I have. Uh, that I have still yet to install. Uh, and it, they have some interesting things here. I, I remember back when Steve was talking about uh, the the PSI, uh, the CFM, uh, and the PSI being zero, which basically doesn't make much sense to me either. It's like there's a pressure at zero cubic feet per minute. Uh, and they actually have this listed in their, uh, in their stats. It's a CFM at zero PSI. Uh, 1.66. So if I'm understanding Steve correct, this is well below the five uh, that he was talking about. Yeah. So Tony, I've I've got the V Air in in my Jeep. Um, probably the same kit you do. Uh, is it the one advertised for like 35 or 37 inch tires? Um, it's the 100% duty cycle at 100 yeah, PS 100 PSI. Tank. Well, I didn't buy a kit. I bought everything oh. separate. So, but okay. So I I bought this uh, this by the compressor by itself. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a good compressor. Don't get me wrong, but it is slow. 
I, I don't want to disparage your, your purchase, but <laughs> the one, the one good I'll say that it is kind of slow for airing up tires at the end of the day. Uh, the one good it. thing about that compressor, though, is the 100% duty cycle. So yeah. d- regardless of how long it's going to take to air those tires up, you know, it's not going to thermal on you. It's not going to overheat. In fact, yep. not only can you air up your rig, you can air up your buddies, too, and not have to worry about, gee, am I going to melt my pump down or not? You right. know, so, you know, it might take a little bit longer, but you're you're really you're, you're kind of trading off speed for durability in that case. And not necessarily yeah, a bad trade-off if you got, you know, a little patience on the on the uh, you know, on the tail end of your of your wheeling day. Um, but you know, some's better than nothing, I always I always say. Absolutely. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not trying to talk it down. I do use the thing and it works well and uh, Whatever, I, Nate. Just trying to talk about it. I don't think I would have changed my <laughs> No, but that's it's it's really good information though. We're talking about you know specific numbers and stuff, and I'm a gearhead. I love the numbers and whatnot. And so when you actually have raw data to start comparing compressors, you know you, you, what's going to work, what's not, what's going to be slow, what's going to be fast, you know what's going to you know last, what's going to be heavy duty, what's not going to be worth putting in my glove box to begin with, right. you know all that stuff. It gives you some numbers for comparison, so you can get out there. Start doing some window shopping. Start doing some online shopping and whatnot. Start seeing what's out there and start seeing what's going to fit with your budget and your needs. Well, it does pull 20 amps, which I do remember uh, t- Steve said that if it doesn't pull 20 amps, it, ain't, it isn't any good. So, <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You most certainly are. And if you don't know what the 4x4 Radio Network is, well, I encourage you to go there right now. In fact, it's very easy. 4x4radionetwork.com is what you type in. And it's going to take you right to the site where you can learn about the 4x4 podcast, the Center Steer podcast, the Trail Chasers podcast. And of course, you find us there too. It's your one-stop shop for all your off-road podcasting needs. And guys, it's 100% free. Shut up and listen. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. Hey, Tony and Josh. I'm out here in my garage for tonight's episode of Wrangler Talk. And uh, before we get started, Tony, just in case you were wondering what I'm wearing, this is called a winter coat. Um, You need to wear that up here in the north when it gets really cold. You probably never heard of that down there in Texas. But anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. So I'm out here in the back of my Jeep, and I wanted to share with you guys about my more ride um, Molly panel storage units that I have. I bought two of them, and they're both over the wheel well of my Jeep. Now, I love the storage units because you can put storage on top of it on the shelf, you can attach a molly bag to it, and you can also put storage in between the wheel well and the molly panel. So anyway, I went and purchased um, some ammo cans. Um, These were green ammo cans. They still are. And I decided, of course, to spray paint mine purple. So I filled them up and I attached them to the molly uh, the more ride um, shelf and they come with these straps with buckles that you secure the ammo can with so anyway I filled them up I put them on the shelf I attached the strap and you know driving down the road I found a problem now it's not a big problem because I was able to solve it and I'm sure there's other ways to solve it but as you're bouncing down the road in your Jeep you hear this 
and it drives me absolutely bonkers. I just couldn't take it anymore. And um, I posted on my social media, some folks suggested that I attach like a magnet to it to keep it from moving. Um, maybe tape it to it, but then you have to pull the tape off to get the lid open, to get the stuff out. So anyway, the other day, as I'm recording um, an episode of my Jeep Mama's Garage, Nate, Extreme Wrangler Nate, SWB Crawler, um, did a little segment for me. He showed what's in the trunk of his Jeep. And I saw uh -oh. some really cool tool bags that he uses, and I thought, wow, those would be awesome. So I went ahead and I purchased two of these Craftsman canvas tool bags, and they're 13 inches across, and you can even get them on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon.com slash Jeep Talk Show, or is it JeepTalkShow.com slash Amazon? Anyway, Tony will let you guys know. I'm out here in the garage. I don't have my notes with me. So anyway, um, these I filled up these tool bags, which by the way, both the ammo can content, contents, I could fill it into this canvas bag, one. So now I can fill more stuff into the canvas bag. So anyway, I just wanted to share with you guys out there who have purchased this More Ride Ammo Can Carrier Shelf for the JKs. Um, if you don't like that clanging of the ammo cans, you can get these Craftsman tool bags and they'll fit perfectly, nice and snug on that little shelf. No more clanging noise, no more bouncing down the road and being annoyed. Now it comes time for filling up this second ammo or the second tool bag. So Tony and Josh, um, sorry I couldn't be there with you tonight in the studio, but I thought I'd hang out here in my Jeep that I love so much. Back to you in the studio. So I was wondering where she was <laughs> hiding. So I'm just thinking, she's out in the garage. So I'm just thinking, just off the top of my head, uh, paracord? <laughs> you could put some paracord around that uh, that clankety-clank thing. Oh, and by the way, I, I know this was a video, guys, and of course you guys can't see it, but it will be available uh, on our YouTube channel and on the JeepTalkShow.com uh, in the show notes. So you can uh, go over there and see exactly what uh, Tammy was uh, pointing to. So I'm going to take well, it a really, cue. Uh, it really doesn't take much to get her to buy something, does it? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a cue out of uh, the high lift uh, high lift jack playbook. And you guys know how the high lift jack are, can can rattle around and, and whatnot. We've got uh, D-rings that can rattle around and stuff as well. Um, there are all kinds of isolators out there for things that rattle. Um, and, uh, you know, all across the board, all across the off-road industry, there's all kinds of them out there. There's also a lot of products out there that could be used for this. You know, the the uh, the paracord, that's a great idea. That's That's a good idea. Um, you know, some small bungee cords just to kind of keep those, uh, keep those handles down in place or something like that. Maybe even a ratchet strap, but something that I was thinking of is that, uh, the, the, the stuff that you would dip a tool handle in, um, it, it's, uh, not exactly, uh, uh, the, the peel coat stuff, but it, it ends up uh, kind of being like a rubberized coating almost. Heck, even some bed liner would probably work if you sprayed on, sprayed it on those handles in a couple few coats. Um, but the, uh, the tool handle coating stuff that I'm talking about. Um, it might be a little bit harder to apply on those handles because I don't think they come off very easily. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you might have to get a little bit, you know, tricky as far as how you apply it all. But that would be a really good solution uh, without having to, you know, switch from, you know, a, an ammo can to a uh, canvas bag, if, if you will. 
And yeah, I, you could probably just wrap those handles in some nice uh, rubberized tape too. You know, the grip duct tape, tape put lots on the and lots of yeah. duct tape. That's true. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I, you guys couldn't see it. Uh, you know, listening to the the audio podcast. Uh, mm. But you can probably, if you know Craftsman, you know what the colors for Craftsman are. It's red and black. So Tammy mm-hmm. hates that clanking sound so much, she was actually willing to put a red and black bag in the back of her Jeep. You got a point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jeepers, if you're looking for a source of Jeep tech info, how-tos, and a gathering of fellow like-minded Jeepers, then head over to our forum, jeeptalkforum.com. Once there, you can engage with other Jeepers, ask questions, get answers to your build questions, Check out show and shine and off-road picks, read about events, modifications, even find a selection of written transcripts from segments right here on the Jeep Talk Show. And if you're worried about how you're going to be treated, nah, don't worry. There's no flaming, no making fun, and of course, no such thing as a stupid question. Whether you're brand new to the Jeep world or you're on your seventh Jeep, there's something for every Jeeper at JeepTalkForum.com. We promise not to treat you the way we uh, we treat Nate. And with all these Nate references and Nate being here on the show with us tonight, it's kind of like a Nate episode. You're going to owe us know, some serious coin. <laughs> you got any bit? You got any Bitcoin, Nate? Uh, no. <laughs> so you, you're a computer geek. I expect you expected you to have it, but even if you do, saying no is the I best did. answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get over to our reviews, Josh. And uh, oh, we have a uh, Facebook review. Yeah, we certainly do. And of course, if you guys would like to leave us a review or you know a comment or anything, you've got all kinds of ways to do that. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, Facebook, YouTube, pretty much everywhere on the web, guys. You're going to find JeepTalkShow.com and you're going to find a way to give us a review and leave us a comment. We got one here through Facebook. In fact, you can leave us a review and a comment on Facebook as well. Review the show there. Uh, be sure to check us out, Facebook.com slash JeepTalkShow. Um, and, uh, Mike Brown gave us a five star review. He says, love the show. Even though I have a black Jeep, LOL, it's no six TJ. I have an 88 YJ and the wife has a 16, 2016 Cherokee latitude. So love the show. And, uh, Mike, we, uh, well, love the comment. And of course the five star review as well. So tell me if, uh, this sounds familiar to you. Uh, this is a uh, iTunes review that we got on December the 8th. Um, from general jeep sound familiar yet no i don't think so awesome show five stars i drive an otr truck and never over the road on the road off the road up up otr up to rota i think uh anyway so anyway and never listened to a podcast before love this uh, I own a 2013 JKU that has a uh, full metal cloak, 3.5 uh, inch uh, lift running 37s. Jeep is fully uh, Lindexed. I think that's indexed. Indexed, uh, yeah. Inside and out, uh, LOD bumpers. Uh, this is a never-ending money pit. Oh yes, don't we all know? Uh, as bad as uh, my as bad as my Harley. Love the show. Learn a lot of good info. I will mostly in OC blah blah blah. National Forest. It is O-S-C-E-O-L-A. Josh? Osceola. 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 National Forest uh, Swamp and Twisty Trails. Oh, man. I, I love hearing that you never listened to podcasts before and uh, and you're listening to us. I love hearing that. Did you, I, I've, I heard recently that only like 35% of the population in the United States listens has ever listened to only one podcast. So there's a a whole <gasps> bunch of people out there that don't know what's going on in this uh, secret, super secret world. Yeah. 
So we, secret, we've been doing it since 2012. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> no, 2010. <laughs> I think you've been doing it through 2012. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, thank you very much for the review, both those reviews, and love the five stars. So glad you guys are enjoying the show. You got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. because I, I It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Oh, we just love all of the involvement with the show and every time you guys write us in, uh, write to us rather, and we had somebody write into the show, in fact, and uh, had a transfer case question. They had some issues with their transfer case and, uh, well, uh, here we go. said, I've got a tech question about my transfer case, having issues with four low. First, a little info on my Jeep. 2001 XJ, blue. Sorry, guys. Ha! <laughs> with a three and a half inch lift running 32s, eight and a quarter rear, day in the 30 front, 231 transfer case. I was out wheeling on Saturday and was putting my transfer case from four high to four low, and it wouldn't engage fully. It makes a bit of a popping sound. doesn't sound good while in four low. Also, the dash part-time light appears when in four high, and when going in four low, it disappears. So, something isn't connecting or engaging correctly. What are some common issues this may be? I'm hoping it's simple, like the shift linkage. I found another 231 transfer case with a slip yoke eliminator and Adam's drive shaft for 350 bucks. Wondering if I should just pick up another one. That way I can either repair mine or just swap it out. Any thoughts or advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks in advance. So there's definitely a lot going on here. And transfer cases, although on the surface and on paper, look relatively complex as far as what they do and everything else like that. There's not a lot to them. Really, once you crack one of these things open, they're pretty simple, especially when you have an exploded view and you got something in front of you that kind of shows you how everything goes together and whatnot. Now, I'm fairly certain on this one that we could be, we can narrow this down to one or two possible issues. Um, I'm fairly certain I know what this is, but we'll go ahead and go through this. Now, the 231 transfer case, very popular in a lot of Jeeps out there. You can find a million of these things out on the road. The one thing about these, though, is they had this weird sort of Z-gate linkage system that, it, you know, attached from the, 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 the lever that you see inside of the Jeep to the actual transfer case itself. And if you just were to hook it up straight, um, you'd end up having to reverse every all of your shifting and whatnot. Really kind of confusing. Uh, this Z-gate linkage it sort of goes back and forth um, and, and creates a couple of uh, uh, pivot points where they, the, all these, these armatures and whatnot uh, move to, you know, actuate the actual transfer case gears. Now, this does have room for a little bit of adjustment. Anytime that uh, something is swapped out or parts wear down or whatnot, well, they occasionally need to have a little bit of adjustment done. And the Z-gate linkage in the 231 transfer cases, uh, and this is the same, same linkage as you'll find on the 242s or the 249s, it's all pretty much the same um, geometry as far as all that goes. And it all pretty much adjusts the same way. I think it's like a 13 or a 14 millimeter. That's a single socket. It's kind of on this um, little bit of a block of metal on a bar. And you can slide that back and forth to adjust where that grabs and, and how things are adjusted. Now, this is not going to be an easy adjustment. You need to have two people. One person underneath that can kind of know what they're doing and somebody up top that can actuate that lever, move things back and forth. Not a hard job to do. And, of course, you're not really going to screw anything up. You just kind of have to remember where things are, are marked, where they're at, maybe mark where they're at, and that way you can go back if you uh, make things out of adjustment too far. Now, there could be some other things going on here as well outside of just the linkage adjustment being a little bit out of whack. Obviously, there's a bunch of stuff going on inside the transfer case. Now, the one thing with these 231 and 242, 249 transfer cases um, they are a chain-driven transfer case. Now, Tony, in the in the recent history, has actually talked about some issues that he's had with his transfer case 
with the chain. And his chain got stretched, wasn't able to stay into, in, in four-wheel in four drive, and was making some, some noises. Now, there are other symptoms that would come along with this. I'm not 100% sure that in this case, this Jeeper's chain is stretched. It could be, but I'm thinking there might be some other things going on as well. Now, the light on the dash is really what makes me think that there's some other things going on here. It's not just maybe a stretch chain or something like that. It makes me think that we have an actual adjustment issue. Now, since the internals aren't getting shifted into the position that they need to be, that makes me think that, okay, this, you know, the, the, the part inside the transfer case that gets moved into a position to where it actuates that switch that turns the light on in the dash isn't getting put into the right position all the way. That makes me believe that there is an adjustment problem. Now, if you're not actually getting that adjustment, if the transfer case isn't getting rotated all the way into four low, even though your lever is going into four low, that linkage isn't moving all the way. That switch isn't going to get activated. The light's not going to come on in the dash, or it's going to come on in the wrong, the wrong spot, and you're not going to be able to get it all the way into four low. It might pop out on you, or you're not going to be able to get it in there altogether. Now, that really goes back to the whole adjustment thing, but there could be something else as well. And this is a little bit more internal. And another common problem with the 231 and the 242 transfer cases is the shift fork. The actual part inside the transfer case that is connected to that linkage that moves when you move that lever inside the cab. And there's a fork that moves a set of gears inside the transfer case. And on that fork, there are these little neoprene, not neoprene, um, they're like plastic, uh, 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 some sort of like Teflon type pads. And this helps, you know, slide things and move things around without metal on metal and, and things getting bound up and whatnot. Just kind of helps things shift smoothly. Well, that those pads over time, after 100, 200,000 miles, they can get worn down. And that fork isn't going to index the way that it should. It's not going to index properly. And your, your shifting isn't going to be well, it's not going to stay in gear. It may not let you go into gear whatnot. And you're going to have some issues like what you're experiencing with worn shift fork pads inside of your transfer case. Unfortunately, there's no way to diagnose that 100% with 100% certainty unless you get in there and actually start you know, looking at things. And really, that's not that big of a deal. Removing the drive line, a few bolts, and you're going to have that back of that transfer case pulled off. Really be able to give a good visual inspection of what's going on inside give you a chance to swap out that fluid as well, replace the chain, maybe even take a look at those shift fork pads. Chains, relatively inexpensive, about $100, $125, depending on where you go and where you get them. Of course, shift fork pads, they're going to be about, well, 10 bucks or less even. Oh, they're cheap. Um, yeah, super cheap. And of course, there's a lot of places online that sell full rebuild kits if you wanted to go that far. Now, there's nothing wrong with picking up another transfer case. A second transfer case might be nice, especially if you don't already have a slip yoke eliminator. And there's one out there that has not only a slip yoke eliminator, but also a drive line that goes with it. But I want to give you a word of caution. You could be inheriting somebody else's problems. Don't want to throw in a transfer case that, well, may have worse problems than what you're experiencing. And, well, they're not going to let you know about it because well, they might be a shady seller. I don't know the details around it. I'm only speculating and just kind of giving you a heads up of what you could experience. But having an extra 231 transfer case sitting on the workbench gives you an opportunity to maybe build it up, build a super 231. There are a lot of you know uh, write-ups out there that tells you how to do this, how to increase the strength of a 231, and even maybe even put in a uh, two-low kit in there or a super-low kit. Lots of options out there as how you can upgrade your, two th your 230, 231 or rebuild it and do a swap later and just make it stock for stock.
Well, I hope this answers some of your questions and, and gets you pointed in the right direction as far as how to troubleshoot this issue and where to go from here as far as how you're going to fix it and what you're going to deal with it. Give us a call, though. Let us know what happens with the build and, and what happens with the repair and what it ended up being. We really appreciate it. Coming up in future episodes, Jeepers, we'll be talking about cold air intakes for Jeeps. And we're going to get into some tips and advice when it comes into shock replacements as well. In the meantime, if you guys have questions about Jeep tech, mods, electrical, or anything Jeep-related for that matter, maybe you just need some advice on a build, shoot me an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com with the subject line Tech Talk. I'll answer your question directly, and I may even select it to answer here on the show. You know, uh, I probably would have to hear the popping noise or, uh, more importantly, feel it. Um, because when a chain's popping, uh, all, you know, over one of those uh, gears or both those gears inside the transfer case, uh, you feel it throughout the entire Jeep. Uh, it's just yeah. a horrible feeling. And I bet you if it's less uh, less severe, it probably is that, uh, I, I call it a gear, but it, it, it's whatever the thing that slides into the, the driven gear that, you know, uh, makes the chain... Uh, uh, spin that other sprocket that spins the front drive shaft. I wonder if it's not being fully engaged because, like you were saying, the linkage. Because the 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 clue was the the dash when it said that it wasn't yeah. in the right place. It really sounds like a linkage problem, and I hope that's the case. Uh, so, uh, if you do break into that transfer case, and uh, oh, if you get that three hundred fifty dollar uh, deal, which sounds like a pretty good deal, especially with the SYE and the Adams drive shaft, uh, go through it. Don't just put it in your Jeep. Uh, break it apart, go through it. Uh, you'll have to wait a little bit longer before you go off four wheeling, but it'll. <laughs> you want to make sure what you what you have before you take it off road. Indeed, good advice. Yeah, spot on on that uh, on that linkage too. I I had to I did a transmission swap once on that old YJ and had to fabricate new uh, uh, bracketry to hold the hold the the TK shifter back on the the transmission and everything was out of whack. It took me months to get that thing straightened. You know, there's there's some companies out there. I know Terraflex makes a a whole linkage replacement kit, but it doesn't work yep. on the XJs. It only works on the uh, on the TJs and the LJs, I believe. Um, but uh, there's a company out there called Novak, uh, which makes mm -hmm. a cable shift uh, modification. You take out all that crappy linkage, you take out all that bracketry, you take all that stuff out, and you put in this cable shift linkage. And I swear to God, you can shift from from two wheel drive to four low using your pinky. It is buttery smooth. So if any of you guys out there have for sure some linkage issues, you're out there after every wheeling trip trying to get that linkage adjusted just right. And trust me, like Nate said, they are finicky. It could take you a while to get that just right. So what's your time worth at the end of the day? You're going to spend a month fiddling with this thing or you're going to drop a couple hundred bucks to swap in a, 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 a cable linkage? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you talking about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Get out of my face, yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at JeepTalkShow.com.
I'm Ryan from ExtremeTerrain.com and I want to tell you about the Jeep Wrangler Learning Center. The Learning Center is a great resource for information to help you choose the right parts for your Jeep. Whether you're looking at bumpers, winches, lift kits, wheel and tire combinations, armor, tops, suspension, lights, drivetrain components, or anything else for your Jeep, but you're not quite sure where to start, the tech guides on our Learning Center will give you the information you need to make the best decision for your build. There are a lot of aftermarket parts out there that will bolt right up to your Jeep, but choosing the right one that's going to look and function exactly how you expect it to isn't always easy. So at Extreme Terrain, we don't want to just sell you a part. We want to help you get the perfect part to help you build your dream Jeep. And that's what the Learning Center is all about. So make sure you check out the tech guides on the Learning Center on our site at extremeterrain.com slash wrangler-jeep-learning-center.html, or you can find the link at jeeptalkshow.com. Also, check out our YouTube videos and other resources for anything else you need. If you still have questions, you can always call one of our Jeep experts at 1-844-887-6501 to get you even more information and even more help. All these resources are available for YJs, TJs, JKs, and we're working on bringing you the best information on the brand new JL as soon as possible. Hey, this is Tony. And I'm Tammy. And this is Josh. And you've reached our 24-7 voicemail line. You guys know what to do, so after beep, leave your message. Hi, guys. This is Rodney with Jeepers Outpost. Just calling you back to finish my Jeep story. I figure the suspense is probably killing you. A moment of suspense is brought to you by AT&T. No, you cannot hear me now. <laughs> anyway, to finish my story, my first Jeep was a... Oh. Oh, come on. Not again. You're kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, to finish my story, my first Jeep was a Ford, a 1965 Ford Jeep. Not many people realize that for a short period of time, Ford produced Jeeps for the United States military. It had a four-cylinder, a four-speed in the floor, and had it actually had independent suspension. It, it was a very capable vehicle. While most kids had a go-kart to play on, I had a Jeep that I was driving around the Blackwater State Forest before I had a license to drive. Anyway, till next time, you guys keep up the good work. Love the show. <laughs> Just had a horrible thought. You know, he's he's already pissed off at AT&T. Uh, he's listening to the show. He hears that thing drop off. And before he can listen to the rest of it and get the joke, he slams his AT&T phone to the ground, <laughs> which he can't hear. He can't hear the rest of the podcast. <laughs> figures that the damn thing just doesn't work i'll go go get a t-mobile <laughs> well rodney i hope you didn't damage any equipment from from that just having a little fun man just a little fun yeah and i really appreciate you calling back in though and uh and and finishing off that story man uh, so keep listening though nate says i wish that's uh, the only thing tony would ever do to me on my voicemail yeah <laughs> you know the, the first ma- first voice voicemail i left you guys got, got cut off too if i remember Oh, I think so. And there was, uh, I think there was one that was just, the audio was just horrible on it. Yeah. 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 I've, I've had, I've had voicemail issues. No, I mean, I don't think it was any fault of your own. I think it was just like where you were or something. Cause I think you like to call in while you're driving into work. Yeah, yeah. One of them, I was on speakerphone in the car, and it just didn't pick up. No well. speakerphone. Oh, yeah, no, I'll, that won't work. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just mention, especially if you're in a Jeep, uh, no speakerphone when you're calling on the voicemails. Believe me. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be good for you, and it'll be good for all of us if you don't use a speakerphone. <laughs> <laughs> but we love hearing from you, irregardless. That's not a word. 
Regardless? No, the other one you used. Con regardless? <laughs> Listen? <laughs> Listen? <laughs> That's it. I'm out. <laughs> All right, now it's time to get serious. The winter holidays are always a special time of year. A time to look back and reflect on all the blessings we've been given. A time to be thankful for all of our wonderful families. We here at the Jeep Talk Show consider you, each and every one of you, our listeners, subscribers, and contributors to the Jeep Talk Show, part of our family. We feel blessed that you let us be a part of your lives. We are humbled by your reviews, your thoughts, your humor, and well wishes. We are honored that you chose to join in on the Jeep Talk Show Fun and Shenanigans while we bring you Jeep and off-road tech and a wee bit of humor here and there. For Josh, Tammy, and myself and all of our contributors, have a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and a Jeep-tacular New Year. Merry Christmas! I don't know. After listening to that, I think I might have a future in funeral home. Uh, I can talk to folks while they're, <laughs> you know, picking very, out six thousand dollar caskets, which is probably cheap. <laughs> very somber. Very somber. The reading there. Yeah. Hey, you're you're really laying it on there, Tony. <laughs> well, and I'd like to say that, that and, was very very correct. You know, everybody is is part of our family except for Nate. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of words that don't exist, Nate. No, no. At the end of your, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Jeep, Jeep tacular was it? Hey, Tammy wrote that. I'll just That's give her strategy. the credit. That's strategy. <laughs> Infotainment. Hey, there's a there's a series of bad words being used in advertisement for years and years. The Jeep even does it. So there we go. Just, you know, we're hopping on the bandwagon. So okay. Uh, so Nate, okay. are you are you ready for your interview? Yeah, yeah, totally. Let's let's do that. We'll right. put some commentary over it. <laughs> <laughs> From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Hey Jeepers, we got a good one for you this week. We've got the one and only Nate from SWBCrawlers.com, and you have heard him on this show before many times. He's called in, and in fact, he's actually been a segment contributor uh, many times over, uh, and recently has given us the uh, the segments where uh, we're talking about Jeeping with kids and stuff like that. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Nate. Thanks for the great intro there, Josh. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having thanks me for, on. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time and uh, and uh, you know chewing the rag with us a little bit. So, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, so a couple of weeks ago, you guys had some feedback about uh, someone looking for advice on various lift kits for their their vehicle, and uh, it's sort of I, I've been wheeling my uh, my TJ Unlimited for quite some time on a stock suspension, and I just figured I'd throw that throw that out there as a as a real viable option everyone seems to think the stock suspension is just garbage it has has to be replaced and right, well, let's, let's, my experience let's back it just up hasn't just, been. it's been pretty good let, let's back up just a little bit here let's talk about your your lj and your tj rather um as, let's give us a rundown of you know what the year is what you have on it um you know tire size you know all, all that sort of stuff let's go for a rundown and and make sure that people have a really good mental image uh when we're talking about you know wheeling this jeep Sure. So as it sits in my garage right now at the moment, it's on 33-inch tires with 15-inch uh, wheels. Uh, it's on stock suspension with some inch and a, inch and three-quarter uh, spacers on the on the springs. That's the only real lift that it's got. 
and uh, I replaced the control arms with some Rubicon Express short arms. Okay, so we got a little bit of a budget boost on there. We got some. We yeah. got some. Uh, got ditched some of the uh, uh, the lower control arms uh, that that stamped metal steel, and we got some little bit more you know beefy control arms underneath there, and and that you know with the with a little bit of lift there, and really inch and three quarters. That's not a lot, but that is enough to start shifting axles a little bit. You know, you're going to start messing with that geometry a little bit there. So uh, it sounds like you got some stuff that can help uh, correct some of that as well. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, honestly, the, the inch and three quarter, um, most, most otherwise it's pretty much, uh, you know, I, I haven't had to do a, a, a slip yoke eliminator. I haven't had to replace drive shafts or anything. Everything still sort of fits. So oh, yeah, uh, really, the, I, I, stock... when I put on the, the control arms, I did, I did tilt the rear axle up just a tad just to fix the, the rear drive line angle. But otherwise, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty much stock. It's, it's as it came from the factory. So let's talk about the tires you have on there. You say you got 33s on there now. I think those, uh, the stock tire size is roughly around a 32, isn't it? Uh, on the TJ, the, the, the standard, like the sport model and whatnot, came with something that was equivalent to a 30-inch tire, and the Rubicons came with a 31. Ah, that's what it is, 31. Okay, and yours is not a Rubicon, or is it? It is not a Rubicon. I wasn't right, that so lucky. <laughs> so you don't have lockers is what I'm hearing then? Nope, nope. At the moment, I have open differentials. That'll change eventually as budgets allow. All right. So we've got ourselves, we've got ourselves here a Jeep Wrangler. We got ourselves here a pretty much stock suspension for all intents and purposes. I'm assuming stock shocks even uh, as far as that no, goes. I, I did replace the shocks when I put on the spacers because, uh, well, to be honest, I don't think they would have had enough down travel. <laughs> and I, I mean, they were stock shocks. They needed to be replaced anyway. <laughs> so what, what do you have on there now? You got some remote reservoir Fox shocks or something? Uh, what's no, on? no. I want to say, <laughs> uh, honestly, I bought them a while ago. I want to say they're like Rancho 5000s, RS 5000s. Okay. You know, not the adjustable ones, not the 9000s no. that have a little dial no. on the bottom, but uh, the next step down from that, but above their entry level 3000. So a nice, you know, mid-range shock there. That's pretty good. Yeah. All yeah. right. So yeah, they, what? they fit the budget and they're, they're not complicated. Well, hey, that that that's a win-win in just about everybody's book right there. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about the kind of terrain that you wheel on. I let all right, let's what what part of the nation are you in? Let's start there. So I'm up I'm up here in northeastern PA. Uh, Tammy's been up here wheeling with me once or twice at uh, the AOAA, the anthracite out uh, anthracite outdoor adventure area. Sorry, that's a mouthful. Yeah, say that. 10 and then times fast. Uh, also Roush Creek, where she's always always visiting. All right, so and and so to familiarize people who aren't from that area who haven't been to these parks and whatnot, these are are big giant sand dunes, right? Yeah, not not quite. Not here in <laughs> Pennsylvania. You got we got we got tight trails with uh, with lots of trees in the way. Uh, we lots got lots of, of rocks from glacial deposits and whatnot, and uh, of course mud. Everybody loves their mud, right? Uh, it sounds like you got some complicated trails up there then. Okay, so we've got it. We got pretty much a stock Jeep. We got some 33s and mud terrains or all terrains? Oh, they're mud terrains. I believe all they're, right, we got, uh, we, what do they call them? Dick, uh, Dick Seapick. Uh, what does he call them? Extreme countries. Yeah, extreme there countries. There you go. Sorry. So we've um, got some D Dick Seapex 33s on there. Got ourselves a little bit of a budget boost. We got ourselves some good shocks on there. But really, the Jeep is stock. We don't have any additional traction devices. We don't have yep. a huge lift where we're gaining a bunch of you know, um, uh, you know extra articulation and ground clearance. Um, yep. We don't have we don't have lockers. We uh, armor. I mean, you got some rub rails. You got some uh, you know some bumpers. Any any kind of the, armor on there? 
the the first year I had it out wheeling, it was still on thirty ones. I still had the factory those plastic steps, you know, that come with the with the the, the TJ. Um, yep, they got yep. pretty beat up. Uh, so oh, the, so the the next the next year that I had it out on the trails, I I quickly put on some rocker guards. Other than that, it's mostly stock underneath. Uh, that definitely needs some attention. The, the skid plates underneath are horrible looking at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Especially if it's that the, the stamped steel, the very thin yep. ones. I mean, they're better than nothing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's something under there is better than anything, better than nothing at all. And and I mean, that makes all the difference in the world when you come down on a rock. I mean, even if it gets dented up and pushed around a little bit. But but I mean, so you've been wheeling like with this setup for a couple of years now. Yeah, so I mean, I've got quite the history off road. Um, I had a, a pretty well built YJ w- was my last real trail trail rig. Uh, when I got into the TJ, I was just itching to get back out on the trails, but I didn't feel it was built well enough. Uh, so uh, the first year I had it out, it was on some pretty mild trails. The second year is when I had the the thirty ones and the budget boost, and uh, you know I, I hit some more rocky trails. And this this year. Uh, is when I got the 33s on there, and I mean, I've had it on low blacks at this point, and uh, it has performed extremely well. Would you say that there was a a, a big difference in your your off road ability, the the drivability of the Jeep off road, going from the 31s to the 33s? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it definitely gave me uh, enough clearance beneath the axles to to really get onto those black trails. Uh, I was doing blues on the 31s, but it was kind of a chore. It was kind of, it, w- it was quite the difference between the, the 31s and the 33s. So I'm going to pause here real quick for a second here. And and not every not every state in the nation uh, really rates its trails the same way. Um, and so when we're talking about, you know, blue, green, black trails, um, you know, the other, other, you know, states, other parks and stuff, they, they rate their trails uh, in different different ways and whatnot, and that this is although a pretty standard. We in fact out here in Oregon rate our trails in the same same method with the blue, green, and black. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, uh, green is obviously you know uh, very easy. You know, trails blue is a little bit more difficult. We start getting into the black trails. Things are starting to get uh, quite a bit more difficult. And and you need to have you know specialty gear, certain size tires to start making it through some of these areas. And some of these trails even might have filters and stuff that will filter out. Uh, people with smaller tires or, or you know, don't have traction devices or whatnot to make sure that they don't get themselves in too much trouble. Have you gotten yourself in trouble with this rig? So I, I never break that cardinal rule of wheeling alone. So I can't say I've ever been in so much trouble that we couldn't recover the Jeep. Um, I'm also a rather conservative wheeler. Um, I won't get myself into, into trails where I feel like the, I, have no, I have no business being there. So, uh, so no, I, I can't say that I've been in that much, that much danger or <laughs> in, in any situations where I thought the, the Jeep was in, was in any serious trouble. But it also sounds like you're not necessarily keeping yourself out of harm's way. You're getting out there. You're getting onto the trails. And in fact, you're yep. even getting into harder and harder trails than you were before. And the, and the Jeep is sort of growing with you in, in, in that regard as far as, okay, now it's starting to grow up in tire size. We're starting to, you know, improve the suspension a little bit, although we haven't really adjusted things all that much to sort of replacing some worn parts here it, it sounds like you know your stock jeep is very capable in fact anybody out there with a stock jeep who has you know little to no modifications could be doing these more difficult and and getting into some of the you know entry-level extreme trails uh, here you know if if somebody's running you know stock suspension they've never been off-road before 
What sort of advice might you have for them? Yeah, so um, I also volunteer for the Jeep Jamboree, and uh, I, I guide on some high green, low blue trails there. And the, the sort of participants we see at the Jamboree, they come out with completely bone stock, right off the showroom floor, uh, even just, you know, sport model, four-door and two-door JKs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Rubicons perform very well, but those stock JKs can go through such... They, they can do things you wouldn't expect. The average, yeah. the average user or the average uh, owner probably never would have imagined it when they when they signed that paperwork and 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 brought their 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 rig home from the from the dealership. Um, really, I I got to say I'm I'm a big fan of wheel what you got, and when you start breaking things or you start finding limitations, upgrade when upgrade when you need it. Don't just rush out and get yourself you know the the lift and tires that you see on the internet. Just get out there and see what it's capable of. Well, I've long since said that Jeeps don't break. They just give us opportunities for upgrades. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I myself am a big uh, proponent of wheeling what you got for, you know, as far as that goes. Don't don't wait until your build is complete before you finally yeah. take your rig out. But uh, by, by that point in time, you're not going to have enough seat time to know what to do with that rig. So, you know, getting Basically. out there while you have you know, the ability to while, while your while your Jeep is, is, you know, I mean, it's ready to go off the showroom floor, like you said. And I think yep. that would apply to just about any generation of Jeep. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I, uh, I don't know about those new Cherokees. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, well, you know, back when they first came out, I think Jeep was trying to prove that, okay, Hey, we, we built this, you know, car Jeep <laughs> that, you know, but we, it still has this off-road prowess here. Look at us, you know, navigate the Rubicon with it. Now I, I, you know, I've never, you know, navigated anything as, as difficult as the Rubicon with anything as quite as stock as a, as the newer, newer Cherokees. Um, but when I first got my, uh, my first XJ, I, uh, it was bone stock. I mean, I was the third owner. I bought it from the daughter of the parents who had, uh, had purchased the vehicle brand new off the showroom floor. Uh, almost like a second owner here. Uh, it had never been off road. In fact, when I got it, it had, um, you know, some 50%, uh, Yokohama Geolanders on it. Uh, you know, 27, <laughs> 28 inch. I mean, the bone, bone, bone stock here. And sure. I w- wheeled what I had. I took that out there and I got it stuck. And, and I, you know, I, I got out there and got on the trails and, and got my, you know, got my feet wet with this Cherokee here to see what it could do. And it blew me away. Honestly, the first time that I had that thing out, I thought, okay, I'm going to be, you know, asking somebody for, for, you know, to pull some cable to help me out of here. It was raining. It was slick. The trails were muddy. You know, I didn't have the traction that I needed to navigate half the trails that I was on. Or so I thought. And I made it through a lot of this stuff just, you know, with, you know, keeping a level head on my shoulders, you know, my, my, you know, minding where my wheel placement was and all that sort of stuff. And, and that's the kind of stuff that you really help these guys with stock rigs navigate through on, you know, the Jeeper Jamboree type of stuff. Um, yeah. So we're, you know, with the seat time that you've gained, being these, this guide and whatnot, you've been able to, to sort of impart this knowledge of how to wheel a stock Jeep to these other fresh Jeepers. Yeah, and honestly, that's that's why I do it. Um, I, I wish I had someone <laughs> doing that for me when I got started in the sport because mm-hmm. they, I... We all made those mistakes, you know. You 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 see the jeeps in the magazines, and you feel like that's that's what you need to go off road. When really all you need is the the willingness to get out there and and try it out. Uh, we we all joke about those Cherokees, but uh, to be honest, 
uh, there's two people I know. One is a friend of mine who's had his off-road, and it actually performs well enough. It doesn't perform like a Wrangler, but it it's capable. And there's another guy who does blue and even black trails in uh, in his... Um, I've, I've met him through the Jamboree and through a, another run I was on. Uh, he, it's very slightly modified, slightly lifted. I, I don't know what size tires he's on, but, I mean, a little bit of seat time in the thing. You learn how the thing behaves, and uh, he's he's doing pretty well with the thing, so... Well, that goes a long way, really. A little bit of seat time, having a little bit of instruction, somebody out there to spot you and and tell you, you know, okay, do this instead of that. You know, don't, you know, do what you, you know, what your instincts are telling you. Listen to what I'm going to tell you, where you need to place your tires and all that stuff. And you sort of, you know, with experience and with that seat time and everything, you, you start building up that knowledge and whatnot. And so, I, you know, I really commend you and, and of course all the other you know uh guides out there with like jeeper jamboree and these other other events who take new jeepers out there and show them something about their jeep that they may not have thought was possible and i'm assuming that you kind of had the same sort similar experience with this tj back on the 31s taking it out wheeling what you had and finding out boy what this thing can really do yeah it really is it really is amazing what uh what Jeep is is sending off the showroom floors, uh, even for even for my 05 that uh, probably spent most of its life before I got it cruising around the highways in New Jersey. So uh, somebody out there who who might be thinking about buying a new or not well might be buying any Jeep at all, whether it be a new Jeep or a used Jeep or or whatnot. Um, maybe some advice to them about maybe you don't have to go out and spend ten thousand dollars on suspension to get out there and have some fun with your Jeep. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I had before I had the the LJ. I had a JK, and um, I had it out wheeling a few times, and I just felt like everything was just so expensive in the JK market. The TJ is a little better, but uh, there's just more of it out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I I've definitely been upgrading out of necessity and not out of just part envy. And I recommend anyone that that's building a Jeep try to follow that model. Otherwise, you just spend a whole lot of money, and you might not even know why. Get a lot of show and not a lot of go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those parts you're buying might very well be capable, but if you're not ready to use them yet, what's the point? That that's a good point. That's a good point. And that that raises uh, you know a question as to whether or not you know you get out there and and you know overcome your fears or not. Am I going to break my rig? Am I yeah. going to damage something? Am I going to get stuck? You know, there's. There's a lot of things that you can put in front of yourself to get get in the way of you getting out on the trail. Did you experience any of that, you know, before you finally be like, okay, four low, here we go? So I'd say back in the early days, absolutely. Um, I had I had a YJ. I had almost as soon as I bought it, I put a three and a half inch lift on it. I got it up to 33s. Um, I even went around and found a uh, an XJ Dana 44 um, out of an 87, I believe it was. And I swapped into Detroit Logger in the rear. And at the time, I just wasn't an extreme wheeler. And all of these modifications I was doing, uh, sure, when I was ready to use them, they were there. And and the, the Jeep was pretty capable. But I'm sure I could have saved a lot of money and just taken the thing out and had lots of fun without uh, without having to you know build up debts or empty the bank account. Boy, ain't that the truth? Yeah, there's there's a lot <laughs> that you can do with the Jeep without modifying it, and of course, Absolutely. you know, there's a lot that you can do with the modifications. And being smart about those modifications, like you said, not really diving into that part envy because oh, you know, everybody else is running this, so I must too. You know, I mean, there's something to be said about reputation and everything, but 
you know, that that term part envy, I'm glad you brought that up because that that definitely can set you set you apart from, um, you know, the other guys who who have taken the time to get the seat time, to get the gain the experience, to gain the knowledge base by talking to a lot of people and talking to other Jeepers out there who are running gear, who are, you know, running different kinds of setups and whatnot. You can see what, you know, what works, what doesn't, what might work for you, what might not, you know, all this other stuff. And, and of course, you're getting your feet wet and getting knowledge and experience the entire time. And, and hey, let's not, let's not throw, uh, you know, let's not discount the fun that we're going to have, too. So I've Absolutely. been sitting here listening for a little bit. Uh, uh, Nate, Tony here. I just wanted to, uh, a question came to mind since you had the YJ before. Did yeah. you see a big difference between wheeling the, the YJ, which I would assume that you had some stock experience with the YJ, and wheeling the TJ? So the TJ, um, well, so the, there's two major differences. Obviously, there's the change from leaf springs to coil springs. Just about anybody should know that. Right. Uh, but the, the, the LJ is an automatic where the... the uh, the YJ was a manual. Now, I love driving a manual, but I got to say that off-road, that automatic that I fought against buying for so long, it just makes things so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can literally point this Jeep at what I want and think about where I'm putting tires instead of making sure I slip the clutch just right to get just enough wheel spin and worry about whether it's going to stall and you know whether I'm going to have enough uh, dexterity in my feet to keep it running up that steep incline. Heel toe, um, heel toe, heel toe. Yeah, <laughs> heel toe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so would you say that if you, uh, if you're wheeling a standard transmission Jeep, you're more of a man? Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I can't answer that because I'm driving an automatic. No, I don't. Don't get me wrong. I, I would drive an automatic in a heartbeat. When I bought the LJ, um, I was. I'm not going to say I was in a bind, but I was really itching to get out of the JK. And what I found was an automatic, and I settled yeah. for it. And I got to say that I don't regret it. It works really well. Um, I was one of those guys that <laughs> that would see an automatic on the trail and go, "What are you doing?" Now that I've driven one, forget it. Um, I mean, I'll drive either, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it's any less of a Jeep because it's an automatic. <laughs> and, and one and one last question here before we wrap up: um, Do you think that some of the the Jeepers out there that have every part known to mankind on their Jeep whenever they see you or anybody else wheel up? in something that is uh, pretty much uh, stock, they just shake their heads and say, that poor bastard, he just doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I, I may get those looks. I don't know. But uh, if, if there's one thing I've learned in the past, I don't know, 20 or so years on the trail is to get your ego out of the way and just have fun. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Great advice. Good tip to go out on, I think. <laughs> well, Nate, how can people find you on the, the social media, the, the you know all those things those kids use these days? Yep. So I guess there's there's two easy ways. One is my website, www.swbcrawler.com. Stands for short wheelbase. I know it always trips up for Tony. Yeah, it does. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter, at swbcrawler. Excellent. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be getting more uh, contributor segments from you here in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have one more uh, epi one more segment I want to record for Jeeping with Kids. I haven't gotten to, to do it yet. Uh, it'll be a little bit of a special episode if I can uh, get my daughter to cooperate. <laughs> well, good luck with that. And thanks again, Nate, for taking the time to chat with us. Really appreciate it. And once again, guys, go check him out. SWBcrawlers.com. Who would have thunk for it? Having me. Who would have thunk it? Stock wheeling. <laughs> Stock wheeling. I know. It's weird, right? Got to go against the grain a little bit. <laughs> thanks again, Nate. Thanks. Well, uh, this is weird. It's like uh, we don't normally have the interviewer still there. 
to say thanks. But anyway, thanks again to Nate from uh, South southwesternbellcrawler.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do Timely it. reference. Timely <laughs> reference. <laughs> S- SWB Crawler, which is short wheelbase. I found that tonight. Uh, SWBcrawler.com. Uh, and uh, for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you, Nate. Well, you can actually respond. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Thanks for uh, for having me on and for having me on the show, for that matter. Yeah, if, if you guys are confused, uh, Nate's kind of hanging with us. He's a show contributor, and uh, Tammy's not here anyway. So, you know, it's it's always good to have more voices. Love it when people uh, join in on the show. All right, well, let's see what more Tammy has for us uh, in, in a recorded fashion. Hey, Tony and Josh, I'm still out here in my garage. I just couldn't leave my beloved black Jeep. Um, And notice all the, see all this here? I don't know if you can see it. That's all salt. It snowed this weekend and I just have salt all over my Jeep. It's nasty. But anyway, tonight's Jeep Mama product review is the Drake Off-Road Door and Tailgate Handle Inserts. Now, this is really a cool item if you like to colorize and accent your Jeep. Um, These door handle inserts, you can get five of them for $36. And I've never, I I thought I was gonna be doing a update on how well they have stood up to being spray painted, but I realized I've never done a product review on this. And these are a really cool item, like I said, to add color to your Jeep. Now they do not come in purple that I know of, I haven't seen them yet. So I just spray painted them purple. Um, They're really super easy to install, but actually I went on to their website and it says an installation level two, which I thought they were an installation level one, but I guess it's because you need to drill two holes in your Jeep's door handle right here. And you need to be careful on one particular one so you don't drill into the body of your Jeep. So anyway, it's two steel mounting screws with each door handle insert. They're cast aluminum and they're brushed and they have a brushed stainless color. I think they also come in red and black. I bought just the plain old silver ones and I spray painted them and super easy install. Add a little color to your Jeep to make your Jeep unique for yourself. And they're a really cool accent for your Jeep. So Tony and Josh, back to you guys in the studio. I'm going to stay here with my beloved black Jeep and hang out a little bit. I can't uh, thank Tammy enough for just hanging out in the garage all night uh, during the show. I yeah, think right. that's wonderful. a lot of good content. That's good. <laughs> yeah, Keep yeah. her out there. <laughs> so I wish I was uh, in, in close proximity to where uh, Tammy lives because the, the devilish, uh, my devilish nature, I think I would unscrew one of those little panels that, uh, that she oh, was just talking about. And uh, buy a D ring and put it in the package and and mail it to her. <laughs> <laughs> but I would probably do it on the the, the passenger side rear door uh, so that she wouldn't notice it right away. And of course, I oh, I would yeah. hate I would have to wait until she started bitching about it on the show that somebody stole my <laughs> my door insert door handle insert and then no, it would you, show up you, show up anonymous anonymously. Or I'd use uh actually I'd use Nate's return address. You, you you take off the the door handle insert and hang a D ring in its place. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you if you don't know what the hell we're hell we're talking about on the D ring, uh, go back and listen to uh, about six hundred episodes ago, and you'll uh, 
you'll hear the situation with Tammy and her her stolen D ring. You know, the there's four on the Jeep and somebody stole one out of the four. Anyway, uh, enough of that. <laughs> From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh I want to say thanks to Nate for his uh, another damn Nate reference. Of wheeling with kids. Uh, he brought up some very good points, and I, I agree with uh, him and Tammy both that uh, it's good to introduce your kids to your hobbies, but not to force it on them. Uh, like my dad tried to force golf on me. Well, <laughs> it, really much that he tried to force golf on me, he just needed somebody to carry that damn bag. I believe the only reason why my dad had children because it was cheaper than getting a mule. All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. I was I was waiting for it, but I missed it, so I'm gonna go do it now. All right, there we go. There so, it is. <laughs> thank you so much, Nikki G. Josh, where's your Jeep? Well, it's, apparently it's not here. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's here in my uh, well, not in my studio, but actually just on the other side of this wall to my right is the is the garage in which my Jeep resides. Uh, and currently, it is uh, in progress, uh, as we would like to say. Um, the uh, the work on the engine rebuild continues. Uh, have all the parts except for a thermostat. I uh, I realized as I. Started going for my little bags of parts that I had set aside uh, when I, you know, had started tearing everything down. Is okay. I'm at the part now where I need to put the thermostat back on and thermostat housing, gasket, you know, all that sort of stuff, and start getting a lot of these, um, you know, these these auxiliary systems all kind of buttoned up and put back together and whatnot. And so I go to that bag to go pull the um, the thermostat out, and I and I learned an important lesson that a a thermostat, even if it's only been installed for a matter of a few weeks. Uh, will turn into a giant block of rust if left oh. out of the vehicle for a, a year or two. Yeah. So uh, the thermostat, uh, no big deal. I mean, it's a it's a cheap part, um, easy to replace and whatnot. I, I just have to go source one. I haven't had the time yet this week. And so it's one of these things to where there's not a whole lot I can do until I kind of start getting some of this other stuff involved. I don't want to get the water pump on until I get the thermostat on and, you know, all this other stuff. And But uh, the timing set's done. I've done a lot of engine dressing and stuff along the way. Um, cleaned things up a lot. Um, I uh, uh, pulled the distributor out, um, and uh, you know, kind of resetting all the timing and everything like that. Um, uh, redoing the oil pressure sending unit, the whole nine yards, uh, and um, it just you know, kind of plugging along. So, uh, if as long as everything keeps going smoothly, and so long as I got my timing right, uh, then uh, I should be well on track to have this thing going by the end of the year. Excellent. And, uh, of course it's, uh, that sounds like a long time away, but of course, if you think about it, it's not at all. I mean, we're not very far away from people going, see you next year, you know, a yeah. <laughs> couple weeks away. <laughs> well, that's good. So Josh, I, I think I have a thermostat laying down in my garage. Oh, you, I, you got like 600 <laughs> of them down there. Uh, no, I'm actually, uh, there's, there's, um, a few options that I'm going to look at now. The, the last thermostat I had in there was, uh, I think I've had that thing in there for five years or more. I mean, a hell of a thermostat. Uh, I think it was a stance or something like that. But the one thing that I that I liked about it is it, it was one of those fail-safe uh, right. thermostats that also has um, a bypass built into it. Uh, there's a small hole drilled in the large flange body 
of the thermostat itself, which allows a certain degree of water and pressure um, or coolant and, and, and pressure to flow through it regardless of what that is doing. And, and it, this particular thermostat would, if it ever did fail, would fail in the open position, not in the closed position, uh, which would still allow the Jeep to be cooled. It just may not get your heater core up to temperature to blow warm air. But better, you know, to be cold than to have your engine overheat, especially right. on a Jeep. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. The the and and, and it, if you didn't catch that, folks, the 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 fail uh, is fail open, and you want that because the Jeep will get hot, and you definitely mm-hmm. want to have that uh, coolant flowing. And if you don't know, the thermostat stays closed so that the system, uh, the engine uh, coolant gets to a certain temperature. Uh, whatever you put the whatever the thermostat is uh, set for, uh, like a, a one ninety degree or a one, I think it's one ninety five. Uh, degree thermostat that they put in there from the factory, at least on the 97 pluses. Uh, so the temperature will actually get to 195 before the thermostat opens. So if it fails open, you may not hit that 195 or it will take you a while to get to it uh, or the, the 210. So uh, the, the failing open is a very good thing and it's uh, good for the health of your, uh, your Jeep and keeps you from having to do uh, head replacements. Yeah, 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 indeed. I, I had one. I had one fail closed one day on my way to work years and years Oof. and years ago in the YJ, and I didn't realize it at first until steam started coming up the steering column. Oh talk wow! Talk about talk about panic. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> like, wait, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's I a- pulled over about as quick as I could and turned it off. Yeah. Luckily, there was no damage. It ran for years and years after, but yeah. They're, yeah. they're pretty tenacious. That uh, that huge block of metal that uh, is called the Jeep uh, 4.0 head is uh, is yeah. is pretty good about uh, dis- dissipating the heat. You know, it's interesting. You were talking about it. It froze closed because that happened to me with my ex-wife. Uh, there was no steam, though. <laughs> no real indicators. No, it was just I was on my way to work, just like you, and it froze closed. <laughs> Well, that's one of the things I'm actually uh, considering uh, uh, doing with the thermostat swap is while I while I have to go out and go buy a new one, I've, I'm thinking about throwing a 180 degree uh, thermostat in there instead of the 195 uh, just to get that thing to, to open up a little bit sooner. Um, you know, I really put my Jeep through the paces. It's not a daily driver anymore. Uh, and, and so when it does get used, it, it gets used. Um, and so, you know, I want to make sure that I've got something in there that's really going to help protect me. And if I get an extra, you know, 15 degrees of prophylactic protection, uh, I'll take it. So, uh, any thoughts about wiring up a switch on your uh, electric fan so you can just keep that thing on all the time? Yeah, see, this is, this is the problem when you delve into something <laughs> like a rebuild of a Jeep because you start getting into these, well, while you're in there sort of <laughs> things and, and it's getting to the point of where, it's like, crap, I've got all this stuff torn apart. I've got all these opportunities to do all this other stuff. While I'm in there, I might as well X, Y, Z. And, and so this is one of these things, instead of, you know, uh, wiring up a switch for, for, you know, the auxiliary fan or whatever, I'm, I'm just going to get rid of the clutch fan. I'm going electric. Uh, you might be able to get away with it up there. Uh, down here in the, uh, the deep south, uh, electric fans ain't going to make it, at least not at the RPMs that these things run at. And yeah, get, I've been the, actually doing a fair amount of research on that, and I think I might go ahead and start compiling some of this research into um, a uh, another Jeep Tips or a uh, um, a, a Tech Talk, and uh, and get you guys share start sharing with you guys some of the some of the results of the research that I've been doing on this as far as electric fans, what's going to work, what's not, what you need, what to stay away from, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that's probably going to be a topic 
uh, that uh, we'll probably address a little bit closer to spring or summer as it becomes a little more relevant. Yeah, a lot of people would be interested in that too. Um, the I only thing I would, would be, I'd, I'd love to hear more about electric fans. You might be able to get get away with it uh, the with the, the size radiator that's on the uh, um, the the Wranglers, but with the the XJ being so narrow. It's very critical to get enough uh, cubic feet per minute through there. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. I wouldn't oh, do right. And, okay, and I would recommend the grill's a different shape. The yeah. radiator's not as tall. Mm-hmm. I get it. Okay. Yeah, I would recommend Josh that you don't do anything that deletes your ability to put the uh, mechanical fan back on there. Oh yeah, no. Pretty much everything that I've done up to this point has been, for the most part, completely reversible. Uh, with maybe with the exception of the steering, but even then, I guess if you get creative, you can, you can get that back to stock too. But oh, now, I'm uh, just talking about the the heating thing because I don't want to see you back in the situation where you're having to redo the head again. Yeah, no. So I mean, I d- definitely the CFMs are, are are really one of the numbers that I'm paying attention to when it comes to when it comes to electric fans and whatnot. I'm not done doing my research. I haven't pulled the trigger yet on anything, and I'm still a little bit on the fence with it um, you know the mechanical fan has served me well uh mm-hmm. over the years um it's just the one relay that screwed me um with the auxiliary fan right uh, not kicking in and not kicking on when it was supposed to uh and so you know that that's one of those things that work i definitely am, am going to be addressing that issue but maybe i want to go ahead and free up a little bit of horsepower maybe i want to free up a little bit of engine space maybe i want to go ahead and have some electric fans in there i you know i'm not really uh, i'm not a huge fan of deep water crossings i i don't like submerging my jeep in mud or water so you know it's like one of those things well if you get to your jeep too too deep in water it's going to kill those fans and well and, that's know, a great thing you can actually kill those whenever you get in water that's a nice thing about yeah. the electric fan stuff you can the mechanical fan you do not have that ability to do that but yeah uh I'm, I'm, i know you'll do the research i just i'm just kind of nervous for you because i, yeah. I tried the electric fan on mine uh, three electric fans that went across there and it was it, it just didn't do it and you basically are trading uh, a little bit of horsepower gain by getting the mechanical fan off your engine with a lot of amperage gain because you're having to run high speed because they can't be very big. The fans can't be very big because the space isn't very big. That's right. That's the that's the downside to that. Uh, if you had more uh, more area, then uh, you, you might be able to do that. Now, if you, if you decide to go to the, I think it's the Taurus fan situation, don't right. forget, I have one. So all I got to do is send it to you if that's the direction you're oh, going to go. Oh, I, I see. I was like, okay, and? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Where I was, are you going with this? <laughs> I was waiting for your eyes to get big and go, oh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Because the Taurus fan does have uh, very near or just above the CFM uh, that the uh, the mechanical fan is stated to have. So uh, I think that's one of those uh, one of those uh, common things that you see. Oh, who is it? Uh, that's it's a common it, junkyard upgrade as far as, you know. It's an Australian guy. Yeah, the, uh, the, some, the Taurus fan has been legend for years. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I have one, and I have uh, hooked it up to a battery, and it does run. I just, would just have to find it. it. Actually, it may be in Nate's garage by now. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe, maybe. There's a, black, there's a black hole. All Jeep parts find their way to my garage. <laughs> there's a black uh. hole that sucks it to Nate's garage. <laughs> well, Nate, is there anything going on with you? Uh, Tammy would normally uh, talk about uh, the color black at, at this point, but uh, maybe you want to jump in here and uh, let us know what's happening with your Jeep. Yeah, well, I mean... My Jeep's sitting in the garage at the moment. I don't really, I don't really have much planned now that it's cold out. I don't wheel as much in the winter. Um, those control arms need some tightening. I'm going to crawl under and do that. Clean up some some of the undercarriage. There's a lot of dings and scratches. Winter is just usually my my maintenance and repair time for the Jeep, um, unless I've got some guiding to go out and do, which may happen once or twice a month. So yeah, nothing real exciting on on my end. 
Well, actually, that's good. Uh, you know, I, I'm messing around with the uh, a broken transfer case, and uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, you, Nate, you listen to the show, so you're probably up yep. on this. But uh, Josh, I think I've come to the decision that I'm not going to replace those uh, those gears. Uh, I I don't think that that the gears are a problem. I think that it has to be uh, a bearing that's uh, allowing that that whole thing to to move slightly, and that's the reason why it's stretching the chain. So interesting. I don't know. So what are you, you going to do? Are you going to just buy the rebuild kit and, and be done with it? Or are you going to um, just swap the whole transfer case out? Or I want to get a chain and uh, I'm going to look around for the bearings that I have from the rebuild kit that I had uh, that I never replaced and get a proper mm. tool to be able to remove the uh, the pressed in bearings. I will I will so, say this to, to you and anybody else out there who is who is even contemplating at this point uh, getting into their transfer case and, and doing some repairs or some maintenance or some upgrades is to invest in a in a good set oh, of snap ring yes. pliers. The <laughs> ones from Harbor Freight are not going to work. Plain and simply, you may think that, okay, I'll just do them, use them for this one job. No, they are too soft of metal to work. They, they just plain and simply aren't good for anything more than snap rings on an RC car. Um, so <laughs> go to your, your local tool store, Harbor Freight, I mean, a uh, Home Depot or Lowe's or even, you know, something like Craftsman. that. Invest, yeah, Craftsman, there you go. Invest in a decent set of snap ring pliers. You cannot do transfer case work without a set of snap ring pliers. And having a good pair is really going to make all the difference in the world. So so what is it you always tell people? You haven't you haven't done it in a while, but the, the Harbor Freight uh, snap ring pliers will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much man you try and rely on those oh uh, it's you, so you, damn frustrating you, no you'll be going back and, and swapping them out every other ring so providing you can even get that far yeah the, the, the things that the rings have a tendency to twist and when they twist that you lose the grip on it so it's mm -hmm. it's even the surface of the little pads that are on the snap ring uh, uh doodad <laughs> it has to have a little texture there so that the the snap ring will stay on it, and it's just so frustrating. You got it. You pulling it off. It's coming. Bzip. Oh, son of a bitch! And you, mm -hmm. you're chasing it across the garage floor. No, I'm talking yeah. about getting it off. But yeah, that that's the same yeah. thing. Going back on is like, yeah. you know, give me. You get that 20 foot extendable magnetic tip thing, so you don't <laughs> have to get your ass up for the 600th time. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't get me started. So you think the the bearings are what's causing your chain to stretch? Are you sure it's not that the bearings just have too much play and the chain's actually fine? Uh, I don't know. I need to pull the plug uh, out of the bottom, and uh, I mean the, the the chain. The noise that I heard was uh, sounded like a chain popping over the gears, but I, I have to check that first. I have yeah, but not if, ordered if the it. bearings have enough play that the shafts can move toward each other far enough, it could just make the chain hop. Yeah, even if it's not stretched. Well, I've had this issue. Uh, I, I got about eighty thousand miles uh, on the Jeep, and uh, the the chain started popping. I swapped it. Uh, you know, it worked for a while, then it started popping again. I replaced the chain. Uh, it worked for a while. It started popping again. Then I replaced the, the chain and the uh, the gears that the or the sprockets that the 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 chain goes on. And uh, that one probably lasted about five or seven years, but I never used the four wheel drive. So uh, that was very frustrating to me that whenever I was actually getting ready to go take yeah. it off road, uh, don't blame you. the popping happened again. So uh, I don't think I'm going to, one of the things that has kept me from working on it is uh, the spending of $300 or so for those sprockets and the gear uh, like I did, yeah. you know, seven years ago. So I'm just going to put a, a decent chain on it. Uh, I'm going to replace that, uh, that bearing. There's a seal on the, for the front drive shaft, the yoke that is uh, leaking slightly. 
Uh, oh, and I'll, and I'll get another uh, oil pump uh, to go in there. I think it's ridiculous if you to break apart a transfer case yeah. and reuse the oil pump. It's like 40 bucks, and you know that for sure will stretch a chain if the oil pump uh, isn't working properly. So uh, a new screen you know, that goes on the bottom of the, the, the straw that connects to the, uh, uh, the oil pump, and uh, I'll call it a day. Now, I, now, I, I do so- have a rebuild kit, so I do need to locate those bearings uh, that I have around here, and if I can't find them, uh, I think they're just on the bench. Uh, if I can't find there, them, then I'll probably uh, buy some more bearings. There, there's something that that I was that was a red light going off in the back of my head. When I we saw were, that. When we I didn't realize about, you noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we've been talking about this transfer case chain issue that you've had over the year, and it wasn't until tonight um, when you started talking about uh, again the 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 amount of times that you've had to replace this chain and whatnot. It got me thinking about the transfer case chains out there for the new process, new venture gear transfer cases. Um, and there are two different styles of chain for that one transfer case. I'm wondering if you got the wrong one both times. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, what was that? Uh, you, you mentioned them tonight because that's where I was going to get Novak. Uh, yes, Novak is a great they, they resource. They actually have that on their, on their website, uh, talking about the chains and giving you an idea of right, what, right. what chain you're looking at. Um, and, uh, actually, uh, when I pull that, uh, the drain plug out of it, I should be able to see the chain. I'll take, I'll snap a picture of it and then I'll know if I have the right chain in there or not. Cause you, uh, you can tell by the linkage, at least right, according right. to the, the yeah, side it's, that it's, I was. It's, well, it's the, yeah, the side profile of the, of the, looking at it, you know, across the side of the chain, not, you know, down the chain's length or whatever. Right. And it's the, it's basically the, the pins, how each link is joined from one to the next. And there's, there's two different styles. Um, which really, and, and that's what the, the gear tooth is going to ride on is that, is that pin basically in that chain. Uh, the chain itself is basically just, you know, connecting, connecting those pins. And then, and that, that tooth is what's going to grab that pin. And, uh, and if that's not the right kind of pin, uh, those teeth might not be, you know, grabbing it the right way. So, yeah, yeah. well, I, the only thing I haven't done really with this thing is, uh, change out those bearings. And if I, I have to look at exploded view, but the one I'm thinking about is actually the one on the front drive shaft yoke side. And it really, in my mind anyway, it could be either one. I may be totally wrong about this, but I, this thing's happened so many times. I got to try something yeah. different, either, right. either that or another transfer case. So also too, I'll mention this again. Haven't mentioned it several shows. If you've got a, a NP241, uh, I'm sorry, 242J uh, transfer case, uh, uh, that, uh, especially if you're in the Houston area, I'd love to uh, pick it up from you. Cause, uh, I just as soon, uh, break apart, uh, one, uh, that I can play with and go through and get it all right. And frankly, uh, I'd like this to have a spare. So if I have a, uh, an adventure coming up, I don't have to come up with some, uh, BS excuse that my chain is popping again. I'll just swap out the damn transfer case and go. And fix like the other one. Like some people swap out a tire. No oh, problem. Geez. Let me just get this done real quick. When you when you, when you do it enough times, uh, yeah, you know. no. If you if you've had that transfer case out, you know, once or twice. I mean, that that's really all it takes, and and you pretty much know the the tips and tricks to to you know what it's going to take to get that thing out in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. I mean, the hardest part is picking it up. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's not <laughs> a light unit. It's not unit. that difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, got, I got a lightened one out in the garage. It's got a, got a big uh, hole in it, a little bit of mass removal, as we'd like to call it. But uh, I saw, I saw a picture. Have it. I saw a picture of a Dana 35 today on, uh, on Facebook. Had a big hole in it. I think it was, uh, it was uh, the Detroit locker or one of the lockers that was, was used. 
had uh, actually broke the housing. Uh, and I Good went, Lord. oh, wow, this is pretty cool. It's got a sunroof. So <laughs> <laughs> an axle with a sunroof. There you go. This is just a breather port. It's it's an access panel. It's uh, it's a great great way of uh, seeing (laughs) what's going on. Well, I want to thank Nate for being with us tonight, and thanks for sticking with us uh, all night long. It's uh, like twelve thirty where where he is, and he's got to get up in the morning. And he didn't complain just it once, so I I think that's wonderful. Nate, thank you for being. I didn't even doze off or anything. That's true. How could you doze off? (laughs) I warned him. I said, "You gotta, you can't go to sleep while the show's on. That yep, sends, that sends yep. a bad Stay signal to us, a bad signal to the audience." No, I, I would have been nice enough to mute before I started snoring. It's all right. <laughs> That's a lot of self control there. Hey Jeepers, do you guys know of an off-road event coming up? Maybe a Jeep-specific event. Who knows? Shoot us an email with some details. Have you been to a Jeep event recently? Let us know what you thought, what you saw. Call our 24-7 voicemail line at 530-675-4102 and leave a message night or day. We love hearing from you guys. Yeah, we really would. Hey, uh, you know, it's survey time, at least part of this show (laughs) where we talk about it. Go over there and take our survey. Uh, Just uh, take a moment. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash survey. Don't forget, have your uh, credit card, PIN number, everything ready. No, nothing like that at all. (laughs) Just trying to figure out who's listening to the show. Hey, we love hearing from you guys. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, Google+, pretty much the entire interwebs. Just go to your favorite social media site, search for Jeep Talk Show, make sure you hook up with us. Hey, join us on the Jeep Talk Forum. Pictures, stories, more detailed how-to, or ask questions of the hosts. That's jeeptalkforum.com. And one more time, give that voicemail line a call. It doesn't matter if it's night or day. If you've had seven beers and three shots, give us a call, 530-675-4102, and you're going to hear it on the show. Maybe. Who knows? And don't forget, guys, we have a free application for your phone or tablet as well. Just go to the Apple Store, Google Play, and search for Jeep Talk Show. Hey, you're making a purchase online, especially here at Christmas time. Uh, no, you know, <laughs> if you're going over to Amazon, be sure and go to the jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon first, or is it Amazon Jeep Talk Show? I can't remember. One of those. Just start typing <laughs> in letters. Fists hitting the keyboard. You'll get there eventually. Tammy's rolling well, her eyes. <laughs> don't forget, Jeepers. We want to hear your suggestions for guest interviews here on the show. That's right. You got somebody in mind who you think we should be, re- uh, be interviewing? Well, let us know. Um, drop us a line. Shoot us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. You know, uh, we recently received a, uh, a request, another request to have, uh, I think it's I Am Jake on uh, YouTube. He's uh, He lives in his Jeep and he travels around the country. And yeah. we've, we've asked him to be on and uh, it, it just kind of faded away. So if you know Jake, you know who I'm talking about, tell him. We'd love to have him on. So uh, great, great guest uh, recommendation. We just need to get him on. Hey, be sure to check us out on Spotify as well. That's right. The Jeep Talk Show is now on Spotify. I'm damned excited about it. And we can't forget all those podcast addict listeners out there either. We got a Jeep wave just for you. Okay, Josh, your turn. Oh, yeah. I got plenty of time, right? <laughs> Treadlightly.org, guys. You know the deal. <laughs> uh, eating up the time. Were you, were you sitting there thinking, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> I was sitting here like, dude, just read the script, man. <laughs> I've only got so much time here. (laughs) No, it's all good. It's all good. A little something different at the end.
Broadcasting since 2010. Well, ho, ho, ho!